everybody, and welcome to At the Devil's Ball, the uh, podcast where we talk about uh, horror and genre films in a positive and constructive manner. Uh, I am Nathaniel. I am Samuel. And this week we are joined by a very, very special guest. Uh, he's a good friend of mine. I've been on a couple of uh, a couple of his shows. Uh, we have um, the incomparable Ryan Luis Rodriguez of One Track Mind and uh, Reels of Justice. Mm-hmm. Wow, I don't know if I can live up to that introduction, but I didn't realize we were supposed to be constructive. I was going to say a bunch of shitty things about this movie, but I guess <laughs> uh, not. I, I doubt it. Uh, yeah. You know, you uh, we so this week, uh, obviously this month, we've been still doing. Uh, we're doing the Mad Max series, right? And uh, so we're on the second movie, uh, The Road Warrior. Um, but before we jump into that, um, Ryan, why don't you tell us a little bit about your podcasts and uh, what you watched this week? Sure. Uh, my main podcast is, as we've addressed, One Track Mind, where I cover uh, audio commentaries for movies and then occasionally have guests like Nathaniel, who talked with me about uh, Star Wars, the original Star Wars. It was a great that time. Was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I also do, as mentioned, uh, Reels of Justice, where we have a fake movie court. We have a defender, a prosecutor, a judge and a jury, and we try to determine if a film is guilty of being a bad movie. And it's, uh, I think we're on our fourth year so far. We started wow. during the pandemic and just kept plugging away. And uh, if you're a fan of MST3K, we've had plenty of people from that show on there. We've had Trace Beaulieu, Frank Conniff, Mary Jo Peel, Emily Marsh, and nice. now Kelsey Brady. Very nice. I, I, I got to like, I, I got to like try to like reach out to Emily Marsh. I wonder if we can get her too. Cause we've had Frank and Trace and we've had Mary Jo Peel um right but i'm scared of like asking emily marsh to come on the show for whatever reason but she's super personable yeah and i don't think it, if you give her a good option i think that she'll take it she's a very nice person very cool very cool um but yeah i've also done reels of justice that was fun um they did uh, spider-man 3 right yep i did spider-man 3 that was a lot of fun um and i won that case which i was surprised i won that case but um <laughs> me too you got yeah. right you won <laughs> yeah but um yeah, well, I mean, I managed to argue that it was not it was not guilty of being a bad movie. Not that right. it wasn't a bad a movie. Good, like, right. you know, not yeah, that it was a sweet good, spot. Yeah, that's it was a good spot. It's not a good movie, but it's not guilty. <laughs> but it's not bad. Right. Yeah, it's not guilty of being a bad movie. But uh, so what'd you watch this week, Ryan? Anything fun this week? Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. I've been watching a lot of stuff, actually. And I just uh, finished watching uh, a bunch of movies from Kino Lorber puts out this Blu-ray set called Film Noir, The Dark Side of Cinema. Mm-hmm. And they've put out like 14 or 15, I think. I, I have them all. And I just finished watching a movie called Appointment with a Shadow, which is a film noir from 1957 about an alcoholic reporter who tries to get the drop on a convict who the police think that they've murdered. And it's mm-hmm. actually directed by Richard Carlson, who was the star of Creature from the Black Lagoon. And I didn't even know he was a director until I watched it. And it's like black and white cinemascope. It looks amazing. Actually, surprisingly good. As a former, mm-hmm. as not a former, as a recovering alcoholic, I really identified with it. And it's uh, surprisingly good. But all those movies are at least interesting, even if they're not good. Not guilty of being bad movies, but right. even if they're not good, they're fun. Yeah. No, that's why I've, uh, I have I always love having you on the show or talking to you about uh, uh, or going on your podcast is that you have this like incredible wealth of film knowledge. Like you, 
you watch like more than anybody I've ever seen, I've ever met. So it's quite, it's, uh, and you always which have great thoughts. Which could be a negative on, or a so. positive, whichever yeah, way you right. want to look at it. I watch I too positive. many movies or I watch the right amount. It's one of the two. Yeah. You can never watch too many. I don't think it's, that's. Yeah, uh, I agree. Yeah, I agree. But no, Ryan, as you just have this, uh, just this, this incredible uh, vocabulary for film. So I'm so glad you're here. Um, and uh, Sam, what'd you watch this week? Uh, I'm still going through my uh, my Jackie Chan phase, and I just finished watching City Hunter, which I'm going to was... watch that tonight. Oh, oh my god, a know, coincidence! Yes, um, it's uh, it's an odd duck. Um, it's it's a comedy, and I'm not sure how I feel about Jackie Chan's straight up comedies, like where they're full comedic. Um, of the three I've seen, I haven't really cared for 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 for, for very much. Um, but this one had a lot of charm to it, and uh, you get to watch him. Dressed up as a character that you would not expect. I don't want to ruin it for you. <laughs> but, uh, Have you seen Wheels on Meals? Yes, I love that one. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I guess that's 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 the straight up comedy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I was out. thinking of yeah. Uh, I was thinking of uh, the uh, Lucky Stars movies. Oh God, uh, Twinkle those... Twinkle Lucky Stars is so bad. Yeah. Any I, scene I... that he's in is good, but every right. other scene is terrible. Yeah, and like I'm like maybe I just don't like Chinese comedies. I don't know. I haven't seen enough of them. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's what I've been watching. Um, and I just got a few more in today that I'm gonna add to the pile. Jackie Chan, and then I think I'm done buying Jackie Chan movies for a little while because I've got about fifty of them now. It seems like. Yeah. Can How you about have... you, Nathaniel? Huh? Uh, I, I was gonna say, can you have? I'll answer that question in a second. But can you have too many Jackie Chan films? I guess you, um, I guess you can. It sounds like I, you can, but I I I grabbed. Uh, the uh, Shanghai Nights, Shanghai Noon uh, double feature, and the Rush Hour trilogy. So I think those those would be a good place to. Start. I was going to ask those are <laughs> those aren't those aren't on the box set. No, no. Oh, okay. All right. Um, Wait, yeah, are you it, talking about the the Shout Factory? Yeah, I'm, I'm right working my oh, way through excellent the second set. one. Yep. Yeah, excellent set. I have both of them too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think I mentioned they're, you the other great. day. The other day, Ryan was talking to Sam when Sam was talking about he was making his way through it. I was like, I think Ryan just started watching all yeah. of those too. So you know, according to your social media, so. And then those I got like and the, the... Uh, and the Sunny Chiba set, which is also right. really good. That's a good yeah. one. Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah, I got those in like you know the Police Story movies and uh, Project the best a, one and two. Police Story one is the best. Right. Yeah. Um, I, haven't I, haven't, enough, yeah. I haven't seen past the first one so it's going to be fun to watch the other ones you know yeah police story yeah. 2 has three great action sequences and then a lot of filler but uh, it's still pretty good right. and they have a fireworks factory in it so you really can't go wrong with that when no. are they gonna get to the fireworks factory <laughs> they finally do they finally make <laughs> it uh so the big one i watched this week was i did see insidious uh five mm-hmm. i think insidious five um and um as I mentioned on social media, it's pretty meh. Uh, it's it's. I think if you like the series, you'll like it. Um, but as someone else pointed out, um, uh, it's kind of like Patrick Wilson as the director is way more interested in telling the story about a uh, a man reuniting with his estranged son than he is mm-hmm. about making an Insidious movie, um, right. which is fine, I guess. But I mean, like it does get a little bit. It's a little bit weird for a series that was kind of, as I called it, a uh, Carnival Funhouse of a series to suddenly right. be like, well, now I've got subtext, and I was like, okay, um, that's a little odd. It's okay, but right. it's an okay movie. And then um, I did a staff screening of Barbarella, uh, which Ooh. I had never seen. Um, and Barbarella was interesting. I uh, I don't know if it's right. for me, 
but I, I uh, it looks good projected up on the big screen. I've seen it um, at a, yeah. one of my art house theaters near nearby me. And, I am uh, so jealous. Oh man, I would love yeah. to see this in thirty five millimeter. Oh god. Right. Yeah. I think I think when I saw it, it was just a projection of the Blu ray. But um, that's the one way it did bad. too. Right. Yeah. 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 I did a projection of the Blu ray because uh, uh, this uh, it was just a staff screening, so it was just like I got the Blu ray and threw it on right. for him. But um, and then. Um, I guess we might we might be doing Mission Impossible like tomorrow night, the new Mission Impossible. Those um, are always fun. Like they're forgettable, yeah. but they're fun when you're watching them. Yeah, but I haven't seen anything past the second one, so I don't know if I'm going to oh, be confused. Okay. Six or... is one of the greatest action films ever made. Six, okay, Six maybe I'll check that one. Out. Amazing. No, I'll have to maybe I'll have to check that one out then. But um, but yeah, that's kind of the big ones for me this week. Um, was uh, Insidious and. Uh, which we should totally cover that series at some point. That's a, oh, that's sure. a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah, I came home that night and I watched uh, Insidious 1, 2, and 3 again. And then I watched Amityville, The Awakening, which is one of the worst things I've ever seen. But um, I, I have that. I have a copy of that and I have not watched it yet. And I'm not yeah. in no hurry, but it just, yeah. it fills out my, uh, my Amityville set. So yeah. Uh, if you if you're interested in watching um Jennifer Jason Lee just not give one iota of a shit that movie is for you um but <laughs> um but yeah she's in it um and she just doesn't care um right. but um but yeah I mean it's it's uh it's a fun fun enough watch if you're interested in just sort of waste it's on Tubi right now I think if you want to waste an hour and a half uh right. it's fun to watch but um so with that Sam why don't you do the vitals for the road war and we'll jump on in yeah, uh, so The Road Warrior was released in uh, Australia on December 24th, 1981, and in the U.S. on May 6th, 1982. Uh, it had a $3 million budget and a $23 million box office, with a, uh, and it was shot at a 2.20 to 1 aspect ratio. Uh, directed by George Miller, once again, who does this whole series. Um, produced by Byron Kennedy. <clears throat> Sorry, frog in my throat. Um, cinematography was by Dean Semler. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and do the uh, the stunts because this is a stunt movie. Sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, we got Max Aspen as the stunt coordinator, Glenn Boswell as stunt team, uh, Vern Dietrich, Gary Gosla, Bob Hicks, Guy Norris, Kim Noyce, Dennis Williams, Tom Glass. Melissa Grillet and Carrie Lofton doing stunts. Um, yeah, I think that, that as far as the uh, cast goes, we have Mel Gibson returning as Max, uh, Bruce Spence as his first appearance in this series uh, as the Gyro Captain, uh, Michael Preston as Papagallo, Max Phipps as the Toady, Vernon Wells doing a great performance as Wes. We have. <clears throat> Kel Nelson as Humongous, Emil Minty as the Feral Kid, and Virginia He as Virginia Hay as Warrior Woman. Warrior Woman. Yes, which yeah. I, I really would have liked to have seen her get a name because she seems like a major character. But it, Warrior it's Woman the knockoff of Wonder Woman that never or, quite. Ah, yeah. 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 <laughs> She's yeah. got she, an invisible dune buggy. Yeah. And so we probably should, uh, we, as we did last week, uh, we'll probably just throw a little disclaimer up and that, uh, you know, uh, anything nice we say about Mel Gibson is not endorsement of Mel Gibson. Right. Um, that's the short version. Um, but, um, obviously he's 
not because he's trash right exactly but uh, he's a monster yeah <laughs> yeah i think was just seen uh last night as of this recording like shaking hands with trump at a ufc event um so uh, along, along, yeah along with, yeah. along with along with along with guy fieri um uh, like you know just a bunch of uh trashy individuals um uh jonah ray not present i guess but he's the other new main character um on social media if you are uh, paying attention but um as another terrible terrible man um right. you mean but, jonah hill jonah hill yeah who did i yeah. say jonah ray and i jonah was ray. Like, oh no like, what did he do no this, i love jonah I was ray. About to oh, say, how dare you sir oh no i'm right. so sorry no i love yeah. jonah ray yeah no jo- jonah hill thank you very much <laughs> um but yeah no uh, sorry jonah jonah ray i mean if you're if you're listening i'm sorry um no Jonah Ray will apologize in person yeah totally um no I love I love Jonah Ray um Jonah Hill not so much um but um but yeah so where do we begin with uh with the road warrior um it's uh obviously I had mentioned to both of you before we started recording I'm a little bit worried about this one because uh Sam and I in particular do our best work with middle of the road movies uh you know three star films um this is um Sam, I think that's maybe that's a good place to start. Sam had said to uh, another friend of ours, Scott Davis, that you kind of would put this on your list of near perfect, if not perfect movies. Yeah. For sure. um, uh, explain to me why and what your criteria for a perfect movie is. And then we'll we'll see if Ryan wants to jump right. on that. Well, I mean, my criteria for the for perfect movies is, you know, the, the Mike Nelson theory, where if it just sets out to do exactly what it wants to do um how well it does that is the rating which why i wish i'll give it like you know roadhouse is almost a perfect movie because it's trying to be roadhouse and um but uh no no roadhouse is far from a perfect film but um this is like almost the perfect action movie um it's not that interested in in talking or delving really deep into the soil of, uh, of of character or or plot um it does dig a little bit and it has some some uh interesting subtext to it i think that we'll get into but um yeah I mean, it's just like how do you top the stunts and you know action in this film uh many have tried um there's you know a million and a half knockoffs of this series and you know a lot of them are watchable a lot of them are fun uh, some of them are are even good, but um, none of them come close to to this. Um, it started a genre. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we, we we were talked about this a little bit last week too, but more specifically mm-hmm. this one about. I mean, uh, just looking through, if you go on rifttracks.com and just look through their entries between them and and Mystery Science Theater, right? How many Road Warrior ripoffs they've covered? There yeah. are so many movies. I actually just watched. I I didn't really pay too much attention because I actually didn't like it, but death race 2000, right. Road warrior. It's that yeah. movie. Um, but, uh, Ryan, what's your thought? What's your take on this? Is this a perfect movie? Is this a, uh, what do you think of, uh, of road warrior in that, in, in that context? I don't know if I could go all the way to perfect, but mm-hmm. it's definitely a gentleman's nine out of 10. Like it's, it is one of the greatest action movies of the 1980s. Possibly right. of all time. I think that Fury Road eclipses it. I think Fury Road is a perfect movie. That is a movie would, that you I watch that. Yeah. and made by a 74-year-old and you could not tell. It feels like a young man's movie. Right. Whereas Road Warrior is a young man's movie. 
like he was still a young Turk at the time. Like Mm -hmm. nobody was prepared for the first Mad Max to actually be good. It was just, it was your average Ozploitation movie. It could be good. It could be bad. could be drive-in fare, but it ended up having a voice and ended up having an aesthetic that was uh, alluring to the people. And so when you go into like Mad Max 2, all the table setting is done but then they go back and they contradict everything that happened in the first movie, which mm-hmm. would normally be annoying. But I think right. it's actually quite endearing here because the last movie, there's like there's trees and there's grass and it's not an apocalyptic Australian wasteland yet. Right. And then at the beginning of this movie, they say, and then the wars happened and then the famine came. It's like this all happened in two years. Right. Like, that's a pretty that's a pretty efficient famine. I got to say, like, I'm not a fan of famine. But I got to appreciate when you're on point and good job (laughs) famine. But yeah, Yeah. normally that stuff would piss me off, but I absolutely love it in this context because every single Mad Max movie that then comes out completely contradicts the one that comes before. Right. And by the time you get to Fury Road, where 30 years have elapsed, but Mad Max seems to have gotten younger. I don't know if he has a time machine in that car. I don't Mm -hmm. know how that works. But it's one of those things where the series is completely inconsistent, but it succeeds in spite of that, if not because of it. Yeah. Doesn't the Interceptor just come back? Like this movie blows it up. Yeah. 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 It's dead as dead. It's dead as hell. Well, that that leads to the fan. That leads to the fan theory that Fury Road takes place before this movie. And Um, that the feral kid is Max in that film. Right. Which is the one I would subscribe to. Really? The, I, so the I think that kid, there's plenty of context for that. The Pharaoh kid grows up to be Tom Hardy? Yes, that's oh, the thing. All right. Yeah. Huh. All right. Um, yeah, it's uh, okay. So, so there are fan theories. All right. Um, right. Of course of course there are. I don't know why that should surprise me. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, I think I'm with Ryan on this one. I would say, you know, I think that's a great way to put it as a gentleman's 9 out of 10. Um, I gave it four and a half on uh, on Letterboxd. I was, I was very impressed with it. Um, right. but I think it's, it's, it's pretty close to flawless in most ways. I mean, I think by the roadhouse principle, it's definitely succeeding, uh, right. all the way as a five-star film. Right. Um, uh, I, again, much like with Mad Max, um, I, I, there's, for me personally, I, I don't quite get it because I'm not a car chase guy. Um, but I do enjoy um the general themes of this movie and the subtext of this movie just as i did with mad max even though the mad max didn't really want to talk about it the road uh road warrior is a little bit more um interested in it mm-hmm. i think in terms of like you know we've got the post-apocalypse uh post-apocalypse we've got the uh we got the exceptionalism the survival exceptionalism uh which we've talked about a few times when we talk about uh post-apocalyptic cinema that the right. the fantasy of the post apocalypse is your Mad Max, you know you're gonna be the badass. Right. You're gonna drive around. In reality, you're probably more like you know the the guy with the chain around his neck standing mm-hmm. next to Wex. Right. Um, you know uh, that's it's probably not gonna go your way in the apocalypse. But um, this movie is interesting in the sense of creating what I think might actually be one of the greatest antiheroes mm-hmm. uh, in cinema history. Max is a, a great anti-hero. Um, right. In my opinion, uh, you know, anti-heroes are usually presented in fiction as, uh, you know, the Punisher 
or mm-hmm. you know wolverine would like you know i kill people and i enjoy it but i don't right. enjoy it because i'm tortured uh you know max is actually just like no i just want a tank of gas yeah yeah he's han uh, solo yeah right yeah han solo the real han solo not the uh uh special yeah. edition han solo yes of course uh, right. right um you know the the guy who does shoot first you know because mm-hmm. greedo greedo is going to hand him over to the job of the hut so right. shoot him under the table uh make sure that doesn't happen um the difference is also though that uh you know uh han solo does come back out of the goodness of his heart max does not right. max only still helps out because uh he needs a ride really yeah. i mean like he, he he ultimately does do what he's asked to get his tank of gas that doesn't go his way and then he says okay i'll still help out but i'm mm. gonna help out because i got nothing else to do um mm. but max is a great hero i mean there's still anti-hero excuse me because there's still like he still is horrified by seeing a rape you know right. uh we still get the idea that he's definitely different than the marauders but he's just as different from the gas people right whatever we call them what do we want to call them the gas uh, gasters gasters the gasters the gasters do they have a real specific name in this movie no I mean, you know no, there's no i don't think there's so. yeah but yeah, I mean, I think that it's that. So that to me, that's interesting is the idea of the actual development of a of an antihero who really is an antihero right. and even goes through the hero's journey. But it doesn't he doesn't really click on anything like he hits the lowest point in the narrative, right. you know, uh, gets saved by another character. He, you know, then answers the call to heroism, but ultimately mm-hmm. kind of learns nothing from that call. So it both invokes the hero's journey and. I, kind of subverts it. Yeah, it, it is definitely a subversion of the Joseph right. Campbell arc. Yeah, yeah, and they yeah. they made this with that in mind. Like the George Miller was really in, in, intrigued with that idea, so uh, I'm sure they had this in mind when they were doing it. Um, I don't know if I'd 100 agree that he's an anti-hero all the way through. Like I think that he regains some of his humanity by the end of the film, but just not enough to become part of humanity again. Um, you know, he he has that point where he's fighting over the feral kid um, with with Wes on the on the big rig and stuff, and I think that's that's kind of a a metaphor for him, you know, being torn between humanity and you know whatever you want to call the people of the wasteland. Um, him him making the choice to be human again, um, but he's too broken to the point where he has to you know still go off into the wilderness at the end of this it doesn't get to you know live with society stuff what what do you think um i i don't know if i would yeah i think that he definitely uh he stops thinking so single-mindedly i think towards the end Right. I think that by the time you get to the scene where uh they're in the car and the feral kid has to get the shotgun shell off the top of the up the top of the rig it's mm. one of those things where you can see that he's he's using the kid because he he has no ability to do this himself but at the same time he's also concerned for this kid's well-being like this is the same kid he gave that that little musical device to right yeah the happy birthday device yeah yeah there you go and yeah. uh i think that i think that he definitely he has these semblances of humanity but i mean mm the way that he's broken in the first Mad Max movie is one of those ultimate uh, tragic uh, things where, you know, you don't even see the death of his wife and, and the son. You just see the little booty fall right. on the on the pavement. 
the wife lives, but things. the movie doesn't. This movie doesn't want to mention that. But yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I mean, if that if that happened to me, I would never regain my humanity. I would be right. done. I would be out. I would not be helping anybody. I would not even be putting up the the uh, the facade of helping people. I would just be like, nope, society fucked me over. I'm done. Right. I'm out. And so I do look at him as at times an aspirational figure. But at the same time, not like Paddington, not like he goes around making everybody's life better, but <laughs> he is uh, he's a, a symbol that if you if you truly care about people and if you truly actually make an effort that there are rewards for you, it's not like a tangible thing. It's not like a well, you'll be rich and you'll be happy forever. But right. there is a sign that you can regain your humanity in some respect. Yeah, I think that that scans. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess I buy that. I I just don't. I mean, I get I I get the uh, the symbol of the kid. Uh, I get uh, you know ultimately caring about that. I mean, he does have he does have the smile. He and the gyro uh, gyro captain do share that smile when they realize they've right. been had. You know. Yeah. Um. You know that the they were used. Uh. And uh, and then they're like, oh, you know, okay, that that tracks. Um, you know, I, I guess I see that, but I always feel like, uh, ultimately like, because he, I don't think he learns anything. Uh, I still go back to like the anti-hero, um, you know, he got close, I guess, but ultimately rejects it. Um, but I, I, I get your guys. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I I get the struggle and yeah, they do offer him everything, you know, throughout this film, you know, as far as like friendship, a place in society, uh, a child to to replace the child he's lost. Um, they they offer them every every one of these things, and he rejects every one of them uh, because he's too far gone. Even um, even after losing the only right. things he had, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's still an antihero. I just don't know if he's beyond redemption or if he's you know. No, I never I never meant un- to imply he's beyond he's, redemption or that he's unchanged by the end of this. You know, it's just yeah. it's yeah. When when they kill your dog, it's hard not to be changed, right? A little bit. Yeah, that's the only thing Even I can if relate to. it's off camera, yeah. which is not yeah. cool. Not yeah. cool. No, no, no. I mean, obviously, I, I, I said to myself at the beginning of the movie, I'm like, okay, you got to turn that off, Nathaniel, because you know something's going to happen to this dog. Right. Like, because my this first thought was like, not like dogs, apparently. No. Most movies at this time didn't. They, they right. it's only really more recently that they were like, we need to stop killing animals because people were right. getting upset about it. I feel like before that, it was just a, you know, just you killed the dog. That's what right. these movies did. Uh, so I mean, as soon as the dog shows up, I'm like, I, I, I'm like, yeah, but that nothing better happened to that dog, and then I go, oh, something's gonna happen to that dog. Yeah. Of course, something's gonna happen to that dog. Um, I actually began to wonder if they were gonna kill the kid, right, right. for most of this movie, because I'm like, I feel like the Road Warriors one of those movies where all bets are off. Uh, yeah, oh, it's sure. dangerous enough that that is not without that is not without precedent. Right. Yeah. It could happen. Yeah. Uh, so I'm like, this movie is, 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 you know, is capable of doing anything. So you can't, right. you got to be prepared for that as much as you can. But you no, know, I knew the dog was going to get killed and then they killed it. And I went, oh, you bastards. But, um, and then it's actually undercut by like a gag, which is interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Like the, the joke marauder. Um, by the way, I, I admit, I laughed my ass off when the guy lost his fingers to the boomerang. Oh yeah. It's so uh, great. <laughs> I yeah. had completely forgotten about it. Then when it happened, I was like, oh, shit, that's great. <laughs> yeah, it made me laugh. But um, right. yeah, I mean, I guess in that respect, 
yeah, I guess I, I, I guess I can see your guys's point that it's, it's, so you guys are saying that you think that it's a journey of an anti-hero becoming a hero or, and then going back, or do you think he's a hero from here on out? What are you guys? Uh, uh, I think he definitely goes back because yeah, he if, goes you, back. if you look at beyond Thunderdome, that is him in the traditional mode. That is him being that. It, um, I mean, like he's talking to all those little kids and he, you know, he's giving right. the story and that that's all this stuff. But then, by the time you get to Fury Road, where he has become like the kid, Feral. Right. Like he's literally chained up as a blood bag and he's just he's used as a hood ornament. And by mm-hmm. the time he finally gets off, he does not give a shit. It, nothing matters to him. It's right. just about getting the hell out of there. Yeah. 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 Right. I think he I think he reverts, but uh like it this just shows that there is a way, you know. Yeah, well, I, was, I was examining that pretty closely watching the film where I was like, you know, especially when he does witness the the attack on the on the woman where he's right. Mel Gibson plays the the horror of that scenario he's watching, but he doesn't get involved. Right. Uh, he waits until it's over and then he goes in yeah. and saves the guy. So he has a bargaining chip with the gas people. Um, it's but, just like Escape from New York with Snake Plissken seeing that woman get molested in the in the hallway right. and just looking at it and be kind of like yeah uh, and then walks right yeah. yeah he's horrified by it but he doesn't it's not do him about it exactly. yeah right. Why yeah. because he it? knows it's not me yeah because yeah. he knows that if he does you know he's dead man you know it's just it's not gonna not gonna yeah. end well for him right which is when i started thinking about him in terms of anti-hero where i was like right. oh it's actually you know, he brings the guy back and he's like, okay, here, I brought your guy back. Can you give me gas? And they were like, well, he's dead, so we can't help you. Right. And then he's like, he just waits patiently for an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, he does have the moment of giving the kid the happy birthday device and saying like, yeah, I'm not. A, right. But that's and that's why I think he's an antihero more than, a you know, the, what differentiates him from the Marauders is there's still a decency because an antihero has to have a decency. I think yeah. there still has to be that rule. Otherwise, right. you're a villain. Um, right. And the film does a great job of presenting the idea of Max as different from both right. sides of the equation. If you want to call the, the gas people, the gasters, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, good guys. Right. I mean, we don't really know they're good guys. We know they're, they're not comparatively rap- good. Yeah, yeah. They're not raping and murdering anybody. Yeah. Um, right. But um they're certainly not uh, going out of their way to be nice to Max either um, until right. he's useful. Uh, but they don't kill him outright either. They could have. Right. They could have shot him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, which is where you come into that concept of in the, you know, we, we which Ma- we, Mad Max, the, the original kind of talked a little bit about the idea of uh, principles right. and, and uh, what's the word I would be looking for? Um, but yeah, generally just like, you know, you, you, you have two sides of the same coin and it just depends on what you want to do with, uh, like an angel, uh, Sam's not a fan of angel. I don't know if, I think Ryan, you've watched angel. I'm, I'm not it. acquainted with angel. Yeah. It. Oh, it's say. the best. Yep. It's yeah. so good. I, I love that show. But yeah, like if, if nothing we do matters, then all that matters is what we do. Yes. Uh, is the yes. line from angel. So that, and that's road warrior in a nutshell, I think, uh, it's Mad Max in a nutshell. Um, I haven't seen Thunderdome or, or Fury Road in forever, but um, I'm assuming it's probably similar. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, what's your guys' take on the on that uh, moral dynamic between the Gasters, what we're calling the Gasters, mm-hmm. and the um, I'm I'm gonna roll with it, Ryan. I'm rolling with the Gaster thing. 
yeah. um, <laughs> Gasters and Marauders, like, uh, you know, in the, in that, the, obviously this is a staple of post-apocalyptic fiction. Um, you know, it, it, that binary is always there. It's there in the stand. It's there in most films that take place mm-hmm. sort of in the after the bomb. Um, what are your guys' opinions on that trope in general and uh, and how it's applied here in Road Warrior? Um, Ryan, why don't we start with you if that question tracks? I don't know. I, I No, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, it, I think it all boils down to uh, fostering a society. Mm-hmm. The, the Gasters want to have a sense of normalcy. They want they want that that idea of community. They want to they want to be there for each other. The Marauders are the id to I guess the the super ego. I don't I, I don't know. Right. I'm not smart enough to pull that shit off. Uh, but I think that what makes the Marauders so corrupt is that they are in in stark opposition to everything that the Gasters hold dear. And the fact that the Gasters, they looked at society as it was crumbling and decided, no, we're going to band together. We're going to form a community. And the Marauders mm-hmm. looked at it as an opportunity to be hedonists and to just throw morality to the wind and just be completely self-indulgent and just uh, cater to their own whims. And that is ultimately what sets them apart is their inherent selfishness compared to the Gasters. You want to add to that, Sam? No, I got nothing to add to that. That was perfect. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was I, I agree. Exactly what I was thinking. Of. Yeah, and it's a good it's a good jump off for um for right. for the original as well, where I talked a little bit about probably too much because I was talking myself into the idea right. of um what I call existential boredom or mm-hmm. um society without purpose, right. uh, whereas the Gasters found a purpose, which was we can actually find this commodity. Right. This thing that's necessary, and we can build our society around it. Whereas right. the Marauders kind of forgot to do that, and right. were like, you know, instead of building something, they just kind of went crazy, and now they want to take it, yeah, because that's all they know how to do. Um, they know how to break down. The other people know how to build up, right? Yeah. And but the interesting thing is that, um, you know, this film explicitly states that you know relies on gasoline as a house built built of cards. And, um, you know, the, the, the gasters in this are, are guilty of the same, you know, crimes as, you know, society was before the, before the end, like their, their entire society hinges on the fact that they can get this gasoline and like, like, what then they're, they're like, I don't know, we go to the beach. You know? Well, that's ultimately their goal. Yeah, we right. get out of we get out of dodge and we go to our right. promised land. Um, right. Even though there's nothing to guarantee that any other movie would have. Uh, it's interesting to me that this movie actually mm-hmm. ends on a somewhat optimistic note because I feel like right. almost any this movie was made today, there'd be nothing there. They'd show up. Yeah. It's like the road, you know, like yeah. you get to the beach, there's nothing here. It's right. just as irradiated as everything else. Um, it's like uh, Battlestar Galactica when they finally yeah. get to Earth and it's completely bombed out and it's, yeah. right. it's a nuclear wasteland. Yeah. yeah, it's all useless. Yeah, um, that would be the more that's the pessimistic. This actually just suggests due to the narration, mm-hmm. you know, it says actually things work out OK. Right. Them. I they became get, a man. Everything worked out. It's all right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We, no, I mean, we have everything. I became king is the narration. Right. I mean, the feral kid is like, I, I now rule. I'm now the you know leader of our, our civilization because of the efforts of Max. Right. Um, but um, 
I would have preferred it to the 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 the, 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 the ending to be like the gastro uh mm-hmm. captain, the gyro captain, uh uh it would ruled for a hundred years. <laughs> right. Like, I was hoping for like, you know, he's he's like god king of the future, right? Uh just because he's such a an interesting he's sired character. many sons, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he sired there are many sons. Uh, you know, and um, but yeah, it's uh, we'll obviously we'll probably talk about him because he's a he's a fascinating character. Um, and uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that it's interesting that so I mean, you do have this idea of they built something up, um, and it is somewhat folly, but it ultimately is a means to an end. Uh, -hmm. you know, it's so I guess I think Sam, to, to your point, I would say that they almost they do learn something. Right. Where they're like, we're not going to rely on the gasoline. We just want to get where we're going. Um, mm-hmm. And Max can't come because he. But where they're going the is obviously a pipe dream. I mean, it's. It's, yeah. but it's, it's not a delusion. A pipe dream. It's a delusion. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But that's the only thing they have that they could hold on to hope for. So, I mean, I get it. Yeah. Um, it's like mm-hmm. uh, in the movie Collateral. Right. At the beginning when uh, Jamie Foxx talks about how he has that, that postcard on his. Uh, on his mm. not his dashboard but the the i don't know what you call it the, the thing you put down when you're trying to block out the sun whatever that right is. the sunscreen right. or whatever yeah, yeah there you yeah. go and he looks at that as his escape from his life mm-hmm. he just, all mm-hmm. he does is pull it when he's having a really tough day he pulls it down and he looks at it and he focuses on it and he knows in that moment that that's probably not going to happen that it's right. just a mental diversion but it has power in the moment and it can pull him out of something. Mm-hmm. Right. And so he thinks that that is, it's a possible destination. It's unlikely, but it is something that gives him hope. And I think yeah. that this whole idea of the beach is one right. of those things where like, it may not even exist. Who knows? Right. Yeah. But we need to aspire to something. Right. right. And I think that's what, what separates, you know, the, the gasters from, from the marauders and, you know, civilization from, you know, nihilism and anarchy is you know this shared sense of hope even if it is for something that's unrealistic um makes all the difference in being you know being able to become part of a society again yeah because there are always going to be marauders right yeah so you gotta you gotta hold on to what you have yeah it's the push and pull if you have protagonists you will always have antagonists right right otherwise then the protagonist is nothing right yeah, totally. Uh, so, uh, what do we think of? But before we move on to a different character or a different mm-hmm. uh, a different topic, what what are your thoughts on uh, on Mel Gibson in this picture? I think he's doing some great work here. I mean, mm-hmm. he's only given, I don't know, like you know, a little over a dozen lines, and yeah. he's he tells the whole story almost entirely by himself. Um, and so I think that's a testament to how good he is as an actor that he's able to, you know, tell everything without words um, and be in, you know, what is almost a silent picture um, at the end of the day. Um, and so I think he's doing some of the best work of his career here. Um, and I think this is why, I mean, I don't, I don't think I pretty much know this is why he became a star. I mean, this, the, how, powerful his performances here he has such presence right like even when he's not saying anything which is most of the movie you never forget that he's in a scene Mm -hmm. a lot of times especially in modern movies 
characters will just have to keep talking to remind you that they're actually in the same frame as somebody else. Mm -hmm. Right. And Max is the opposite of that. In fact, I think that they probably had more dialogue in this script. And as George Miller was looking at that performance, just kept on paring it down. Right. The way that Walter Hill, when he worked, Mm -hmm. he would try, he would start off with dialogue, but then every single opportunity he had, he would take it away. Right. Just to make the kinetics more, more palatable and to, to give more of a vibe. And mm-hmm. that is something that that Mel Gibson has in this movie in spades. He absolutely has a vibe going for him. Yeah, for sure. I think Gibson may have the best eyes in cinema history. I oh mean, yes, like, absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, I don't mean just that they're they're. I mean, he does have pretty eyes. Let's be right. honest. But yeah. uh, but I mean in the sense of what he's able to project with mm-hmm. a glare, uh, or he can soften. Uh, you know, it's right. quite incredible what he's just able to do with just his eyes. Uh, it's the, it's yeah. the Kuleshov effect where you have an actor and you have them looking directly at the camera and then you mm-hmm. cut to other things that they're supposedly looking at, like a baby or the beach or gasters. And you you see different things on their face, even if they're not changing their physical expression. Mm-hmm. Right. And that is something that Mel Gibson has where he can be looking at anything. You can intercut it. Yeah. And it it registers. And not everybody can do that. Right. No, no. In fact, I, I was actually just noting when I was watching the Hunger Games movies, there's a couple of points in that movie where Jennifer Lawrence is looking at something. And then I'm like, what's she looking at? Oh, nothing. Mm-hmm. We just cut away. Um, right. Again, it was like, oh, OK, why did she do that? Look, uh, versus uh, uh, versus Gibson, who's able to look at nothing and be like, oh, he's clearly looking at something like it's, right. uh, you know, he's uh, he's just so good at doing it. It's so interesting to me that he ends up becoming what I said this last week too, that uh, Mel Gibson became the actor that he did. Uh, mm-hmm. When you look at these early work, uh, you wouldn't think funny, but he right. turns out he's actually pretty funny. Uh, you know, lethal weapon. He's funny. Uh, he's also intense, but which is what Gibson really brings to the table is a level of intensity um, that you could see why he's a big old movie star. Right. You know, when watching this movie, right. Are you a fan of his in general as an actor? Um, I, I was back in the day. I think that he's done a lot of, uh, irreputable harm just on, based on the projects that he chooses like that. Right. Didn't he play Santa Claus at one point? It's like, dude, probably. Yeah. No, yeah. not for you. Like leave that right. David Harbour. Okay, sure. Why not? But Mel yeah. Gibson, mm-hmm. no, should not be Santa Claus. Should not be Mark Wahlberg's dad in daddy's home too. <laughs> right. But he used to be, oh my God, was so good. Like I, I think about like this and Gallipoli came out in the same year mm-hmm. and you couldn't have two more disparate performances. Oh man, I but, forgot about Gallipoli. Yeah. So good in both. And you yeah. can see it's the, it's the dichotomy. It's one side of the personality and then the other side reflected in two separate movies. And yeah. to have both of those in the same year just is a, a testament to how good he once was. Yeah. Right. No, I agree. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he, the the where do you think the point is? I know it's off topic to the Road Warrior, but when do you think the point is that he, uh, I, I guess, as the kids might say, fell off? Was it Braveheart? Like, was it? I think Patriot? the Patriot. Yeah, yeah, I think the yeah. Patriot. That's that's the that's the Rubicon. You can't cross right. that. Once yeah. you do that, you're you're done. You're out. Yeah, he kind of became parody of himself in Patriot. I think you know, right. Uh, considering that movie was basically Braveheart, but in the Revolutionary War, uh, yeah. and then you know, you know, but it, so he's kind of almost parodying his own work 
mm-hmm. in the Patriot as much and then as you I... go to like signs and it's like this is a parody of a Mel Gibson performance like he's right he is completely reserved and silent but in a way that kind of actually feels like overacting which is weird if you don't have any dialogue yeah. and it seems like you're overacting yeah you're probably right. not giving a very good performance no that's absolutely right you're uh, that's a great point uh i was thinking, you know just thinking now you know you say that i'm like yeah we're talking about a guy who is able to project almost anything without saying a word and yet signs he's actually given shit to do and he still can't project anything mm-hmm. um I don't buy it. People, look, people. There are a lot of people that that swear up and down. Science is a good movie, and I don't. Yeah, I don't, I'm not a one of those people. <laughs> yeah, but um, even though uh, I have a soft spot for Shyamalan, but um, uh, but also off topic. Last week, I had made the statement that uh, Independence Day was to Roland Emmerich as The Rock mm-hmm. was to Michael Bay. Ryan, as an ex film expert, what do you think on that statement? Just, I think that that is completely fair. I would also say that uh, White House Down mm-hmm. qualifies for that. Yeah, I think that that might be my favorite Roland Emmerich movie, and I'm not even saying it's a good movie because it's oh, not. Right, but you know, you know Jamie Foxx is the president teaming up with with Channing Tatum as a guy mm-hmm. who wears a a a wife beater in in the White House. Sure, give me that. Give me <laughs> yeah, for that, give right. me eighteen of those movies. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that uh, that is that's a definitely that's a fair point to make about both Bay and and Emmerich. Right, like they made one, they made like this one good movie that uh, yeah. kind of almost 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 an accident. Yeah, like you know, Independence Day is not. I just watched that the other day. Obviously, Fourth of July mm-hmm. just happened, and uh, I watched the riff tracks of uh, Independence Day, and I was like, this movie is actually pretty good. It it's really effective, uh, right. but you know, it's uh, anyway off it topic. It does what yeah. it says on the tin. Yeah. It does yeah. exactly what it what it wants to be. Yeah. And that's a, that's something like uh like to piggyback on Michael Bay. Like if you look at like Bad Boys 2 mm. is absolutely reprehensible garbage. But it's one of the right. most amazing movies ever made. because <laughs> It is it is the unlocking of, of Michael Bay's ego. And he's spreading right. his toxicity all over the screen, spraying yeah. it, if you will. Yeah. Uh, to use a yeah. an, a distasteful uh, comparison. <laughs> yeah. But it's one of those things where you watch that movie and you go, oh, this is what it's probably like to have a conversation with Michael Bay. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, let's move on to Humongous. Right. Um, let's. The, oh, boy. Um, what a fascinating villain. Um, and he does nothing. Um, right. It's uh, once again, much like Mad Max, the way we talked about a little week, uh, there's this movie and Mad Max both have this wonderful. Um, again, it's something a, more, a, a movie made today would never do, which mm-hmm. is its villain is just summarily dispatched. Right. With no real effort on the on the part of the hero. There's no final battle between Max and Humongous. He just hits him with a truck. Right. And he explodes. Um, I, I love that. I was like, part of me wanted to see the big fight, but mm-hmm. at the same time, like, no, none for you. Right. Uh, Humongous is just going to get hit by a truck. Now, obviously there's some effort in the hero, the hero, you know, Matt, Max manages to maneuver them. So they run into shit, you know, right. um, he's the best driver there ever was. Um, but it's, it's like, real it's, it's it's like Shyamalan's glass. Where yeah. they set up the fact that there's this new skyscraper being built in the in the middle of Philadelphia, and everybody's like, "Wow, that's a really big thing. I wonder if the plot's going to end up there." And then it <laughs> ends up Bruce Will- uh, Bruce Willis just gets drowned in a puddle. 
Right. Really? Okay, I didn't yeah. see glass. Yeah, that's yeah, that's because he's allergic <laughs> to water. So why not right. just put him in a puddle and just put his face in there? And there you go, done. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> I have to see glass apparently. Um, but um, but yeah, no, it's it's great that there's no uh, there's no real catharsis uh with humongous. But what are your guys' takes on humongous? Sam, why don't you go first? What uh, tell me about uh, your thoughts and feelings on humongous um you know he's kind of like a hitler figure he's you know that's that's his job there is to give big speeches and they even show him you know like doing like his you know nuremberg rally of in a montage um so i think he's an interesting villain but he's not you know the villain the movie is interested in as much as as wes is um you know and wes is the real threat to to bell gibson he's the one who who gets the big fight scene at the end and gets you know the epic death and uh humongous is, is the, just kind of there Wes is, is the mohawk Wes is the threat to Wes right. is the threat to Max uh right. reality is the threat to Mel Gibson but um mm-hmm. but please go ahead I didn't mean to interject there but <laughs> no you made me choke on my uh my drink sorry <laughs> yeah. um but yeah like I I, when I was a kid, I like I'm like, why is Jason Voorhees in this movie? Um, <laughs> years years before the hockey mask. Yeah, years right. Before that, yeah. Well, he was the original. When I saw it as a kid, I had no sense of time, so you know it doesn't. I'm like, like, what's going on here? You know. Yeah. Right. What's That's your take really on? Yeah. yeah. What's your take on Humongous? What uh, What's your read on that? Well, I think we're we're leaving out one important thing, and that is that he's the Ayatollah of rock and roll. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's yeah. very true. If there's a better introduction to a villain in mm-hmm. terms of just dialogue, just uh, four words, and right. immediately when he sa- when the guy who announces it says that, it's kind of like, okay, nothing's going to be able to live up to that. That's such a great line. And then they show you Humongous in his silver hockey mask and his studded cod piece and assless chaps. Right. It's like, holy shit. Oh, they delivered. They absolutely, yeah. this is, and I love, I really honestly love how homoerotic this movie is. Like it's oh, completely, yeah. it is so gay and I love that. Yeah. Right. And I love that it's not, it's not like, uh, it's not homoerotic in a way that is judging characters for, for having, you know, S&M gear. It's right. just yeah. like, that's just a part of their personality. That's just a part of this post-apocalyptic world. It's just yeah. something that you're just going to have to accept. And if you can't get on board, then who cares? Get out of here. Right. But it's one of those things where it, I don't think that I would have expected that seeing the first Mad Max. That is definitely not something that my mind would go to. Right. But I love that that is exactly what George Miller was setting out to do. Like, it's yeah. not accidental. Yeah. It's not camp. No. This is on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Are either of you, um, uh, I know Sam isn't really, but uh, are you any of you familiar with Chris Jericho, the professional wrestler? Uh, a little bit. A little bit. One of his, I was today years old, uh, mm-hmm. but you know, uh, when I found out that that's where he got, because Chris Jericho used to refer to himself as the Ayatollah of rock and roll. Um, ah. So I had no idea that was a Road Warrior reference because I had right. actually, again, had never seen this movie. I'd seen the movie from, you know, imitation right. and cultural osmosis, but I had actually never seen the Road Warrior until yesterday. Um, and he's a big movie guy. So that, that completely right. oh, yeah. tracks. Yeah. He, um, yeah, and it, it almost certainly just where he took it from. Um, you know, he he definitely was a, a fan of that. So, but no, I love. Um, I also I was just telling Sam before uh, Ryan before you jumped on the call of uh, the South Park 
episode. Yes, proper where, gun abuse. Oh, yeah, so good. When Butters puts on the mask and they give him the microphone, and I was like, just, just walk away. Right. Spare um, your lives. Just yeah. walk away. Just walk away. Um, it's uh, it, I had no idea it was from the Road Warrior. I knew it was from a Mad Max film. Right. But I and Kenny gets the boomerang in his head, just like the the person getting hit by the yeah. feral kid. Yeah. What was the plot of that one? Was of that was that? It was a uh, sex education. And That's right. Yeah. The kids started uh, thinking that they had to have sex because they were they were being taught about it. Right. But then they and were... then it led to an apocalyptic scenario because the girls did not want to be part of it, and the boys ended up becoming. I think the girls were the gasters. Uh, the yeah. boys were the marauders, if I remember correctly. It's been right. a long time, but I think that's I it. think that's it. Yeah, that's why Butters was was uh was uh, uh humongous. Yeah. Right. Um no, yeah, it's been forever. I might actually have to even go. I think all that isn't all of South Park on like HBO Max. I maybe I'll have to go watch that. Yeah, episode. unless they took it off today for no reason, you know. Yeah, you yeah, know, they would know. never do that. They've right. never done that before. Yeah. Right. Who's the bigger, who's the greater villain, Humongous or David Zaslav? Uh, <laughs> oh, Zaslav. 100%. For sure. Yeah. 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 Most I, hated uh, man in Hollywood. <laughs> right. Incredible how it, it like, it's in like a less than a year. He's yeah. like the greatest villain uh, uh, art has ever known. Right. <laughs> but yeah. Um, He's up there with Ted Turner trying to colorize movies, you know. It's yeah, just yeah. yeah. Oh, don't don't even compare them though. Right. Ted Turner at least loved the movies, I right. think. You know, um Yeah, Ted uh, Turner made Turner classic movies. David right. Zaslav is trying to do to kill it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He wants to kill uh, he wants to kill TCM. Um yeah, that was the new one. I was trying to think of what the new what's the new thing was with David Zaslav, and it was the mm. TCM thing. Unless right. there's been something since then. Oh, the GQ article that he killed. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Right. Uh, the GQ article that was basically saying he's the most hated man in Hollywood. And then by killing it, brought attention to the fact that he's the most hated man in Hollywood. Um, right. Fantastic stuff. Um, but uh, uh, you could have given a bunch of monkeys the job of CEO of, of uh, Warner Brothers and probably would have ended up with a better mm-hmm. uh, a better outcome. But anyway, I digress. Um, but um, no, I dig Humongous. Uh, I... I uh, I love that. So what do you guys think? So obviously he's lying when he says if they give him the gas, he'll leave them alone. Do you guys think right. he's lying? Do you think he's a man of his word? Oh, I think not. No. I, I, I could see a situation where he's a man of his word, but it, like it's obvious by this point that he doesn't have complete control over his people. Hmm. Um, so even if he is a man of his word, I think they would still die. Um, but I, I don't have any reason to believe that what he's saying is the truth. You yeah, know? right. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's a certain uh, 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 self delusion to humongous mm-hmm. that almost makes me think that maybe he means it. But uh, Ryan, you said absolutely not. Yeah, I I don't think that there's a single thing that humongous does that can be trusted. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that I mean, if you just look at him, he doesn't yeah. really scream diplomacy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was waiting for an unmasking scene in this movie too. I guess I'm just uh, right. used to modern films where the mask would be taken off for a reveal, and they're like, no, no, not yeah, they for him. they tease you with it by showing you the back of his head. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like the little right. wisp of hair, mm-hmm. but the, yeah. the scars there, and it's just kind of like it, it's it's uh it's enticing. It makes you want right. to know more about this character, but it does not give you that resolution. No. There was a there was a moment in time, and this would have made it a a, a far worse movie, I think. Um, where they played with the idea of making um, Humongous be Goose from the first movie. Oh, and yeah. 
you know, his old partner. And yeah. I'm like, that's stupid. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so, but, but they if it was made today, agreed, that's yeah. what they would do. Right. That's, oh, that's yeah. what I was going with it is that, that this would totally be the case if it was made today. Yeah. You know, that they were just, you know, oh, I'm your former partner and your brother, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And there would yeah. be a post credit scene setting it up in the first Mad Max. Right. 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 Goose, yeah, Goose, Goose wakes up and does the whole uh, Jack Nicholson and Batman, like smashes right. the mirror. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, I'm gonna get me Max. Uh, he abandoned me. Bring me, bring me free weights. I must, I must bulk yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. You guys, you guys just wrote the uh, the ill-advised remake right there. God damn it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Made by Michael Bay. Right. <laughs> um, and uh, and produced by David Zaslav. Um, mm-hmm. but um. So yeah, Sam, obviously you're really into Wex. Right. You've mentioned him a couple of times. What what about this particular villain uh jumps out at you the the way that he clearly does? Um he's he's Mad Max taken to his most feral extreme. Um he's the same he's the mirror character for Max, I think, where you know, he just even when he's speaking, he's speaking in these guttural noises. Um, you know, no, no, kill them. Kill, we must kill them like he doesn't speak like, like a human he's he's just so far gone that I, I think he's a great villain to play up against max um who's you know in my mind you know struggling to retain a spark of humanity even if you know it's 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 a dim spark um and he's just a visually interesting character too i mean he's you know he's he's got a sense of style that you know really encapsulates everything that they've the film is and most of the things that knockoff films try to emulate is is based on Wes's character yeah the hockey that makes sense? The yeah right yeah, yeah. Um, well, well it's interesting i i it hadn't occurred to me that he would be the the kind of the dark side of max ryan what's right. your thought on that do you do you think sam's on to something with that i think that there's there yeah there's definitely a case that can be made for that um, what I love about Wex, though, is how mm-hmm. iconic he looks and the fact that uh, four years later, when John Hughes made Weird Science, <laughs> right. he included those Road Warrior characters. And I don't remember if he's actually in it. Yes, he is. He is? Okay. He is, there you go. Yes. Him and Michael Berryman. I, I know right. that part. But yeah, I mean, that's one of those things where you watch that movie and you're like, I have no idea what the fuck is going on in this movie. What the <laughs> right. Hell? And then he just shows up and you're just like, oh, this is a completely different movie than what I was watching 10 minutes ago. Right. But it's one of those things like if 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 the character is so indelible that even John Hughes is going to stop his own movie dead in its tracks to include him, then right. clearly George Miller is on to something. Oh, for sure. That's interesting. Yeah, that character didn't didn't pop too much for me. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, the way at least in comparison to the original where, uh, mm-hmm. you know, well, I kind of thought- Toka yeah. is my favorite, my favorite villain in the Mad Max universe. Yeah, but, um, but what I mean is that in Mad Max, though, like he had the uh, the blonde guy in right. Mad Max, the the the, the lieutenant in that yeah. movie uh, jumped out at me as, um, mm-hmm. even though we talked about that more, like he was Dark Side of Goose, right? Um, uh, in the sense that he was the reserved psychopath, whereas Goose was the you know uh, wild. Um, mild psychopath i mean like you know uh but um but yeah it's interesting that you mentioned that i didn't that wouldn't have really occurred to me but now that i think about it i think you're right i think that Mm -hmm. he really is designed to be the their max and that's that's what makes the scene where you know max is fighting 
with him over the feral kid uh, on the truck um mm. so meaningful is you know it's it's two sides of the same coin fighting over this kid who you know we find out at the end of the film turns out to be the future of humanity mm-hmm. um it really you know says something about you know the 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 fight between the lighter and darker sides of nature to you know and civilization voiceover should have switched to uh uh charlie sheen you know i was born of two fathers wex right. and mad max all uh, right but uh i am getting that reference right that was from platoon the two fathers yes. Thing. Okay, yes. thank you um good i just want to make sure i was like i'm pretty sure mm-hmm. that's what i'm talking about but um no it's interesting i never thought about that thought of it like that but i think you're right i think that there is um you know the struggle with wex the reason why wex is sort of the real main villain of the piece is that he's supposed to be the I mean, also what max could become you know right. maybe if max were to join the gassers he would have ended up being uh their wex their version, for whatever yeah. reason you know an attack dog you know right um wanting which, to be left off the chain yeah yeah you know and would it, yeah and would he have been on a chain uh with them you know would they have kept relying on him to be their uh killer you know right the guy who does what they can't do you know maybe, and maybe he was right to not join them you know maybe that all he can ever be is himself and mm-hmm. if he joins one side or the other he just becomes a dog in a chain that's right. interesting right i don't hmm that's deep sam yeah thank you i yeah. I try my best yeah <laughs> i never yeah that didn't occur to me uh why don't we talk about the gyro uh not gyro no gyro yeah, yeah. gyro yep. gyro captain yep. The hero uh, captain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh the gyro captain. Uh any movie I think made after this would have just had him be a one-off gag, I right. think. And you no, know, George Miller's like, no, he's gonna carry multiple scenes. Um, what's your guys' take on uh on the, the gyro captain? Ryan's uh better to start with you. I, I first of all, I love that he doesn't have a name. Mm-hmm. I love that he is defined by what he drives. Literally, that's all people will call him. And like Bruce Spence has one of those faces that you just want to look at for hours. Just like there's so much, uh, there's so much history in that face. And he could only have been like, I don't know, 30, 35 at this time. Cause like he shows up in, I think revenge of the Sith, which is what? 16 years later, something like that. And even though he's wearing heavy prosthetics, he was the mouth of Sauron. You could tell. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. right Yeah. too. Wasn't he also the uh, guy in the limbo guy from the matrix? Yes. The train man. Yeah. Yeah. And he's also one of the sharks in finding Nemo. He had a hell of a 2003. Right. (laughs) But I, yeah, I love looking at that face and I just love the fact that he is, he is single-minded in what he does. It, it, it's all about just protecting the gyrocopter and protecting his stuff. But the fact mm-hmm. that he actually develops into this, this idea that he becomes a king later on is such a, like when they showed him at the end and they show him driving away with everybody and they say, and he became our leader. I was like, really? Right. That guy? That guy became, are you that desperate for leaders that you'd pick that guy? <laughs> but I think that I mean it it fits. He he definitely develops over the course of the movie. And as right. Sam said, he starts off as a one-note character, and then George Miller refuses to to keep that line of sight going. He decides to take it into a completely different level. But I I I always forget how much I love the gyro captain until I see him and immediately I'm like, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. And George Miller liked him so much that they, you know, they brought the actor back for Beyond Thunderdome, and I don't 
I don't think it was the same character. I think he was no, it's a not. Character. It's definitely yeah. not. It's been so long since. But he does that with several yeah. people. Like right. Morton Joe was uh, right. Was in the first Mad Max. Mm-hmm. I like yeah, that he comes. Better. He comes back to save um, save Max. Right. That he sees the explosion in the distance and goes to save him. Um, yeah. uh, Ed says, "You know, we're partners," and it's such a it's such an abusing thing because Max never treated him well. Never. No. <laughs> um, that uh, it's a great moment of character development of a guy who is, as Brian put it, a single-minded determination that he just decided Max was one of his people. Right. And so he goes to help him, uh, even though Max had abused him horribly right. in earlier yeah. sequences. Um, and they know, left out a scene where the gyro captain calls him partner and Mad Max turns to the side, looks away from camera and says, I don't have partners. <laughs> right. There's Michael Bay's remake. We'll have that soon. <laughs> um, For sure. You know, uh, you know, I had a partner once. His name was Goose. He burned alive. Um, uh, yeah. Who plays Mad Max in the remake? Oh, God. Uh, oof. Chris Pratt. to think of all the people who have been canceled in the last few years. It was Pratt. <laughs> Jonah Hill. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Chris Pratt wants to play this character. I right. mean, he, he's already taken on Mario. He can take on Mad Max next. Whatever right. he, he wanted, he's going to be the young Indiana Jones. Fuck he it. wanted Indiana Jones. Max. Yeah, yeah. He wanted to be Indiana Jones. Yeah. Um, the second I heard that, I was like, Chris Pratt. This is 2014, so I still like you, but no. Right. Yeah. Even no then. Yeah. 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 Even then. Even having seen you. Indiana Jones five, I still say no, thank you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You didn't like. Um, you didn't oh, like did Dial not Destiny. like no yeah. did not like yeah it seems to be pretty polarizing there are people that just like mm-hmm. absolutely hate it uh and then there are people that actually kind of that that really like it and i'm somewhere as usual somewhere in between i'm like i don't know i thought it was charming enough but right um it's definitely dumb yeah but i saw uh, it with my family and my mom turned to me at the end of it and said that could have been an hour shorter oh right. my mom does yeah. not say things like that yeah. she does mm-hmm. not think in those terms i think in mm-hmm. those terms right yes. Yeah. But if oh, she yeah. could bring that up, then I'm just like, shit, she's not this wrong. is too long. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. No, this could have that could have been a 90 minute film. And, and I love it, long movies. Make movies as long as possible. I will watch them. But yeah. my God, that gets interminable at a certain point. There are moments in that film where I'm like, we could speed this shit up. But yeah. Um, you got to yeah. do the wrap it up finger. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I got it. Got All it, right. Movie. We get it. We <laughs> got on. it. Moving on. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, I love that today. The, the new thing now is people are now arguing over whether or not the, um, I, I guess, spoilers for Indiana Jones, the um, uh, the time travel bit is too much. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I think and, it fits. I think it I, I was like, fits. I was like, it's ridiculous. But yes, I think it fits within context because right. we've already done, you know, as someone pointed out, this is a series that has said God is real. Uh, Kali is real. Christ mm-hmm. is real. Aliens are real. We right. might as well have time travel, time travel is real. Is real. Um, Sam, sorry, I'm I'm sorry if that no, spoiled it for you. I already right. knew that. You know. Oh, you did. Okay. Oh, yeah, they yeah. they they spoiled that two years ago with the on set photographs that showed somebody in a Roman centurion outfit. Oh, really? No. I was like, geez, I wonder where they're going with this one. Right. Thanks yeah. a lot, internet. Yeah, we'll go literally talk to um, uh. Da Vinci, not Da Vinci. Who do they talk to? Archimedes. Archimedes. Yeah. Um, who who founded the Delta Knights? You know, so yeah. Props to him. Yeah. Yeah. But you no, know, it's a yeah, it's a dumb movie. But I I actually kind of had fun with it. But um, but yeah, it's uh, 
I like the gyro captain. He's mm-hmm. a, he's a fun character. I agree with Ryan. I think he's a, such a fascinating looking individual too that it does yeah. go a long way. And he really likes the snake, you mm-hmm. know. Um, Which I'm not okay with. It, I'm you know? not okay with that. But that's just no. There's a snake in the gyro, Jacques. <laughs> um, so uh, anybody else we need to cover uh, before we wrap up? Uh, oh, the feral there... kid. I mean, you oh know, yeah, to, okay. Puts in a great performance. Um, who's never? I don't think he'd ever been in anything before. Um, and I, I think don't he gets think the introducing credit. So yeah, he definitely yeah. hasn't. And I don't know if he's been in anything since, but um, you know, nowadays he's a jeweler, I guess. Um, I saw him on the bonus features. Um, oh, and uh, really? so he's, you know, oh, he was in some other stuff after that, I guess. But um, you know, nothing, nothing that's road war. Yeah, but um, no, I do like that the uh, the opening credits do introduce him and say like, you know, this is actually a major character. Right in this film, it's it, it's interesting who George. It's interesting to always look at, even with Mad Max, it was the same. Where it's like, who gets that billing spot? Right. right. Which, by the way, I I miss the opening credits. Uh, you know, just black screen. I like right. that. I don't know about yeah. you guys. And I miss when they would tell you who the actors were playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's always yeah. as, and it's just like when you get an introduction of introducing whatever the guy's name is Give as the feral kid, right? It's like, oh my god, what a what a way to enter a movie. There's yeah. going to be a feral kid. Okay, yeah. I'm on <laughs> right. board. Yeah, yeah, feral kids are coming. That's yeah. amazing. Um, no, I like him. I love. Uh, I, they introduce him throwing a boomerang. I'm doing a backflip. Mm-hmm. Um, why he could do a backflip? Be- yeah. I guess it's because he's feral. I guess it's what right. feral feral kids can do. You no know, animals doing backflips because he's ba- yeah, he's basically half halfway a monkey. You know, it's just yeah. <laughs> with his uh uh I, I kept thinking about and again it's off topic and it's weird but mm-hmm. i kept thinking about that one villain from masters of the universe mm-hmm. that 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 kid looks like the villain from masters of the universe does anybody remember nobody caught into what i'm talking about anybody remember that the, no? from the movie or the show movie okay Oh yeah, Remember, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. You okay. had the helmet hair right. mullet right. thing. Yeah. I was thinking mm. he looked like uh, Chaka from Land of the Lost, but uh, you know that's that's mm. me. Yeah, Ryan, what does he, what does he look like three. to you? Anything? Oh boy, what does he look like? Uh, Carol Channing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. He he looks like the Feral Kid. There's nobody yeah. that looks like Feral Kid. He's just that's he true. is who he is. That's true. Um, but yeah, he's got the most interesting hair in the movie. Right. Um, oh, yeah. for sure. But yeah, it's a lot of product to do. I'm 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 in awe for sure. Yeah. 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 But no, he has some really great moments. I mean, obviously he's crucial to the plot as the idea Mm -hmm. that he um he cottons to Max in a way that um nobody else does, that he kind of wants to go with him. Right. Um and the fan theory is that he grows up to be Tom Hardy. Yes. Interesting. Which I I can only go on board with because of the time discrepancy between movies. Right. Otherwise, okay. I don't know that that's necessarily supportable, but it's one of those things that I never would have thought of that. So I'm no. glad that the internet exists for once for coming yeah. up with that. But I kind of, yeah. I kind of dig. I shouldn't say dig because most of them are stupid as hell. But I, I like the idea of fan theories and mm. uh, people thinking of movies, you know, in in those kind of terms, and you know, putting together connections that you know maybe other people haven't. Um, it's just nice to see people, you know, pondering movies. Which yeah. I guess I'm is, glad yeah. that there's people yeah. overthinking it because I'm not. Right, right. 
I just take what I'm given and say, yes, more slop, please. Yes, I'll take this. <laughs> no, every once in a while, internet fan theories are good. I, I like, right. um, you know, uh, that's where the 007 is. Each it's actor is actually, yeah. each right. 007 is actually a different guy. Right. You know, um, or he's yeah, what they the were Lord, originally yeah. going to do in Skyfall. It was supposed to be a retirement right. home for previous 007s. And then they decided not to do that. Oh. Right. My God, would that have made an interesting last 30 minutes? Because well, oh, they couldn't God. get Sean Connery to come back to acting yes, for it. Like, yeah, because he retired. Right. But yeah. Roger Moore, you know, he was waiting on the side oh, of the set. For going, sure. So yeah. we're going to shoot that scene tomorrow. Right. It's like, sorry, Roger. No, he kept, sh- kept him showing up anyways. Yeah. Timothy Dalton was there. Like, I don't right. even know why I'm here, but okay, whatever. Yeah. George sure. Lazenby, he's available. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I I don't know what George Lazenby was doing, but he it wasn't more important than being in Skyfall, I'm sure. But <laughs> yeah. it was did waiting see... tables at Skybar. Which one right. was Skyfall? I, did I see Skyfall? That's the third Daniel Craig one. That's where uh, M dies. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Does that one have um, uh, the villain from No uh, uh, No Country for Old Men? Yes. Yes. Okay. Then I did see that. Uh, yeah. Great movie. Yeah. Great okay. Movie. Yeah. I uh, I never get my bonds. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Kept me keep my bonds straight. I uh, I tried. I told I told Zeb I was going to watch it, and I tried to watch it, and I couldn't get through um, Thunderball. I right. think it was Thunderball. Thunderball isn't one of the best. Ones, well, there are know. forty minutes underwater, and it right. feels like a hundred. Yeah. Because yeah. they're uh, underwater. Was it Thunderbolt? I made it through about 10 minutes of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Bond escapes with a, a helicopter coming out of his back. Right. He gets into a car with a woman. They drive away. Then he goes to a spa for a long time. And he like tries to kill a couple people. And he has sex with two different women. Right. Am I th- thinking of Thunderbolt? Which one is that? I think actually, I think he he's supposed to have been dead at the beginning of Thunderbolt. I think you might be thinking of You Only Live Twice. I'm not yeah. sure. Okay. I think okay. that's the one I was yeah. watching. You Only Live Twice. The I one couldn't with make the it. Questionable Asian stereotypes. Yes, I'm glad and, you didn't get and, to that part. Okay, and yeah. yellow that's face. truly regrettable. Right. Okay, then I'm glad I yeah, didn't. Yeah, Sean Connery and yellow face is, is pretty. That's pretty not a problematic, fucking, is it? That's no, fine. that's yeah. it's pretty tight. You know? Well, I mean, that's what I mean. Is I got through with it. Connery literally like uh, a woman saying no, and then him her dragging her forcefully into right. a uh, a yeah, into a, st- a sauna, and I went, oh, right. okay, I'm done. Um, right. You know, um, I can't watch these. Um, mm-hmm. I can't, it, it just doesn't translate anymore, but you no. know, yeah. Any last thoughts on the road warrior? I can see it guys. Watch yeah. it again. You know, mm. watch it a hundred times. Watch, make it the only movie you watch. I don't know. <laughs> just watch it. Get a 4k player buy the Blu-ray and yes. just completely tune in. Cause my mm. God, is this a gorgeous looking movie? I mean, it is. Sure. I haven't seen it in 4k. Oh my God. You have not seen the movie. Oh. Like just the skies alone are just so right. potent. Yeah. Oh, this is an yeah. amazing, amazing movie. If you have yeah. not seen this, why the hell are you listening to this podcast yet? That's true. Yeah. Right. Stop listening right now. Never listen again. Yeah. Go and I mean, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said That's, that. Don't say podcast. that. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, we we no, should it, mention how how well it is shot. Um, yeah. yeah. I was going to say we did. We... One of the best to ever do the job. Just right. so yeah. good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a sense of kineticism to like every scene. Um, you know, they, the camera's always moving and it's not it's not in like a shaky cam, make you sick kind of way, but it's it's in a you can feel the road underneath your feet kind of way. Um, it, and it's you, not overcranked. It is right. speed being represented. Right. Well, they do overcrank a few times, but um, not often. Only when they had to. <laughs> um, yeah, I was going to say like twice. Yeah. Right. Maybe twice um, in that film they do it. Yeah. But other than that, they don't. You know, it's just the fact that, you know, 
it always feels like it's in motion. It's, you know, it's, it's a film that keeps moving in a way that no, not too many other films do, you know, nowadays it would be like speed ramped to hell and back and. Uh, yeah. Or not moving at all. Right. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. Just, just in front of a green more. screen. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't beat the, I mean, uh, how well they use, you know, the Australian outback. I mean, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's sort of like, we can just, there's all this desert we can just right. blow shit up in it. And I realized I was, again, much like we did Mad Max, uh, you know, I was like, wow, uh, all of the, in this movie's entire budget, it went to cars and then exploding cars. Right. Um, and I love the, the set piece of they blow up the city, mm-hmm. the little gas place. Um, what a great, scale model if it's a scale model it might actually no, they be just a place. they just blew it up yeah oh it is they built the set and then blew it up yep that's amazing um but george but lucas would probably tell ever, you it's the largest set ever built for an australian film and the largest explosion for an australian film <laughs> very nice george lucas yeah. would tell you it would have been better with cgi but right. uh you know he wanted to know. put dewbacks in it but they just said yes yeah. <laughs> dewbacks and uh yep. yeah just green screen uh coruscant uh, right. but, um, yeah, no, it's, um, it's, a, it is such a phenomenally good looking movie and much like mm-hmm. the previous film, like there's so much technique, uh, right. at play. Um, yeah. Like the fact when, you know, you, the way it's edited together, you know, between shots of the road and, you know, shots where you can only see the car in the sky. So, you know, that they're just like in a stationary vehicle shooting this, but mm-hmm. they make it look like it's, you know, it's, it's happening at high velocity on, on the, highway you know yeah and made by a guy who had only made two movies in two years and was i believe a nurse in an in a in an operating room or something like Mm -hmm. that like no he had no formal training whatsoever the fact that his second movie is this that is remarkable yeah no that's actually incredible yeah yeah george miller is just an incredible talent i mean i haven't seen happy feet but i kind of want to now you know yeah. Just skip it to Happy Feet too. That's the better. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, good advice. Good advice. All right. So one last question for both of you, then, uh, and then we'll, we'll we'll wrap up. So I mean, just in general, what's your favorite uh, bit of Mad Max Two? Your favorite scene? Your favorite shot? Something to that effect. Ryan, what do you think? Uh, it has to be the scene where the feral kid is trying to get the shotgun shell. Yeah, that that's... is one of those things where every single time I watch it, I literally I have to move forward on my seat or wherever I'm sitting because mm-hmm. I so do not want anything to happen to that kid. And the fact that he's right. he's on a moving car going through the windshield, reaching his hand towards the front of the car. Oh, my God, that gets me every single time. Yeah, I, I love it so much. It's such a tense because it, it makes me so nervous, but it's great. Right. Yeah. What about you, Sam? Um, I think the scene with where they introduce Wes um, is my favorite where he's just screaming at, at Mad Max, literally just screaming Wes yeah. he's pulling, you know, a, a, an arrow out of his arm and just gives him this look like, Oh, motherfucker, I'm going to get mm. you. Um, it's so, so much done with so little um, that it's, it's really impressive. It's a good answer. Yeah. How about you? Uh, uh, I think I've got to go with um, Max's lowest point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that the the uh, the way they shoot that beginning from him leaving the uh, the gaster like whatever you want to call it village uh, right. at sunset or um, sunrise. Uh, first of all, there's this beautiful shot of him in the car with that 
beautiful red uh, sunrise light mm-hmm. on him. And then the speed through doesn't make it far, rolling the car. Um, and uh, and then they kill the dog. And then he's like uh, and then he he sacrifices the interceptor right. to, to take the guys out. Uh, that whole sequence right, right up through uh, gyro captain uh, picking him up in that weird um, drug trippy uh, in and out of mm-hmm. consciousness bit, um, even though it's kind of undercut by Max getting a lot better really quickly. Right. Um, but um, but I love uh, I'm a sucker for lowest point, uh, lowest hero moment points. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I think it would have made it better if you fell off a roof into a trash can, mm-hmm. um, which is what they do <laughs> in every movie ever. Right. Um, but, uh, where did that trash can even come from? Or that roof? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No, I love that. That was one of my favorite things ever with somebody like, uh, accused, uh, arrow of ripping off the TV show arrow of ripping off, uh, I the dark Knight or something oh, okay. like that. But right. then somebody was like, pointing out like, you realize this is in every movie ever, right? right? It's not just ripping off dark Knight returns. Like there were movies before dark Knight returns and mm-hmm. characters fell off roofs into, into dumpsters right. in other movies. It's a There's pretty... this thing called cinema. It yeah, has this yeah. thing called a uh, legacy. Yeah. Right. Now it would be uh, they ripped it off from Zack Snyder. Um, right. But yeah, no, it's um, you know because Zack Snyder invented every type of camera shot with Batman versus Superman. Um, He's a true visionary. I don't yeah. Know. Right. Just... Yeah. Anyway, but, I had, yeah, sorry. Right. <laughs> we'll take a, He's we'll so take a, great. We'll I can't a... even do the bit. I can't even no. do the bit. No, you know, I, know, I get it. No, but I, I always, whenever I have an opportunity to take a dig at the center cult, I usually take it. But, right. um, but yeah, no, to me, that's uh, that. To me, that's the that's the standout moment to me. Uh, mm-hmm. The you know the introduction of Max, the fall of Max, and then uh, Max moves on uh, right. are the three moments for me that really connect. Um, you know, because in my mind, and as it probably should be, that. Uh, kind of anti-hero uh, character arc is what to me what sticks out to me because I, I, like I said, I'm not a huge action sequence guy. I'm not mm-hmm. a huge car uh, car chase guy. Uh, so what I have is Gibson's performance, which is you know both great and sad. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, any last thing? Any last words on this uh, on the Road Warrior before uh, Sam takes no. us out? I think we covered everything I had down. So. Brian, thanks so much for coming by. Yeah, um, thank you. Thank you for having me. Such, no, such we, a pleasure. Yeah, always fun. I'm glad we had a better movie than Exorcist 2 this time. Right. <laughs> um, which that was, is true. Yeah, we owed you one because right. uh, we thought Exorcist 2 would be fun to talk about. That turned out to not Turned be fun to talk about. That's just but, not a funner movie at all. You know, no, it's just... no. But um, but no, and, uh, obviously, where do, they, where do people find you, Ryan? Uh, you have a bigger following than us at any rate, but if in case <laughs> someone that listens to us doesn't, follow you then where do they find you uh well uh you can find uh one track mind and reels of justice wherever you listen to podcasts so wherever you hear this show you can find that i'm on twitter at one track mind pod and instagram which is where i spend most of my time because i don't like twitter mm-hmm. at one that is the numeral one track mind podcast i did not get to choose that if i had my druthers it would not be the numeral one but what right. are you going to do very cool very well, cool Thank you guys for listening. Um, thanks again, Ryan. Thanks for coming on. It was always a pleasure. You always class up the joint. Um, <laughs> we'll have to have you, you back on soon. Um, it's It's been a great talk. Um, but as far as our listeners, I want to thank you very much for listening, taking the time with us. 
Uh, watch out for each other. Keep a little hope in your heart because otherwise you turn into a wastelander. Um, we don't want that. You don't, nobody needs that. The, the, the leather cleaning bills alone are shocking. Um, so <laughs> I remind you all to keep it positive, keep it constructive. Um, and as I always like to say, uh, be kind, rewind, but mostly be kind. Thanks. Oh,